Hear now a reading from the Gospel of Luke, from chapter 13, verses 1 through 9. At that very time, there were some present who told him about the Galileans, whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. He asked them, Do you think that because these Galileans suffered in this way, that they're worse sinners than all other Galileans? No, I tell you, but unless you repent, you will all perish as they did. Are those 18 who were killed when the Tower of Siloam fell on them? Do you think that they were worse offenders than all others living in Jerusalem? No, I tell you, but unless you repent, you will perish just as they did. Then he told this parable. A man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard, and he came looking for fruit on it and found none. So he said to the gardener, See here, for three years I have come for fruit on it and have found none. Cut it down. Why should it be wasting the soil? He replied, Sir, let it alone for one more year until I dig around it and put manure on it. If it bears fruit next year, well and good, but if not, cut it down. The Gospel of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you for the gift of your word. And as we are able to think on these things and meditate on, the, on these things, open our hearts and our minds so that we are able to hear you. Amen. Friends, we read this passage about tragedy, repentance, and perishing during the liturgical season of Lent, but also amid what feels like an extended season of collective suffering. Whether it's the two-year anniversary of COVID-19 that we just passed, the ongoing struggles at home or abroad, our consistent anxieties about the climate, or the state of our financial systems, there's a lot weighing heavy on our hearts and minds. And just like us, the people who approached Jesus in this text were also reeling from tragedies. One caused by human forces, with Pilate killing a group of Galileans while they were making sacrifices in the temple in Jerusalem, as well as one unforeseen natural disaster with the Tower of Siloam falling and killing 18 people. Faced with loss and suffering, this group of people turned to Jesus for conversation that could perhaps help them make sense of their circumstances and provide some comfort. And we as readers of this text today are similarly poised to receive Jesus' response to this group as maybe a little blunt, or perhaps not comforting, at least at first glance. The group of people say to Jesus, what about the people who were killed by Pilate? How could this have happened? Was God angry with them? And Jesus replies, do you think because they suffered in this way 
that they were worse sinners than anyone else? No. But unless you repent, you will perish just as they did. And now I don't know about anyone else, but this response doesn't really strike me as comforting or pastoral. But here Jesus is responding to a theology that was prevalent during biblical times that connected suffering with sin. If you were experiencing hardship, then you must have done something that displeased God. And I would argue today that we still struggle to grapple with how to make sense of our suffering when we have no control over it. And I wonder if it is perhaps our lack of control over our circumstances that is the hardest pill for us to swallow. We see in the book of Job, Job's friends struggling to comfort him when he has lost his family and livelihood when they ask him, are you sure you didn't do anything to piss God off? And in our text today, we see a group of people who couldn't make sense of the tragedies they had witnessed. And today, when we are faced with senseless suffering, we often ask, why do bad things happen to good people? Or why me? What did I do to deserve this? Jesus' response here is not a refusal to acknowledge the pain that these people were experiencing, but is a refusal to engage in shallow theology or give simplistic answers to a very complicated issue. Why do bad things happen? Who is to blame? Who can we hold responsible? These are the wrong questions, Jesus says. But if you don't repent, you too will perish. In this short reply, Jesus gets right to the point of what is at stake. No, our suffering is not a result of sin. Yet life is very fragile, unpredictable, and chaotic. And when we forget this, we forget how precious each day is, how precious our relationships are, how precious our time is. And when we are closest to this truth, the truth that we are only guaranteed today, is when we are most, ably, most able to practice repentance. There is no room for pride, for stubbornness, or for greed when you are keenly aware of the precarious nature of our life. It's easier to say sorry when you know there's a time limit on a relationship. And it's easier to live close to your convictions when you recognize the limitations of our mortality. And it's when we pass up opportunities for repentance, opportunities to acknowledge the ways in which we have been living out of step with God, that we pass up the opportunity to grow, to learn, and to be transformed. Now perhaps this has something to do with the reasons why we are uncomfortable with the idea of repentance. Our aversion to repentance makes sense in a society that is always looking to define who is right and who is wrong, who is in and who is out. Therefore, we've been taught that acknowledging the ways that we have messed up surely comes with shame and isolation. But Jesus' use of the parable of the fig tree proves otherwise. 
The vineyard owner goes looking for fruit on his fig tree that he has planted and hopes that it would provide nutrients needed for his vineyard. And he is frustrated to see that yet again it has not produced any fruit. How often do we become frustrated by the sometimes seemingly constant disappointments and pains of life? They say, when it rains, it pours. And amid challenge and suffering, it can often be hard for us to see the beauty in our lives and to express gratitude. But the gardener in the parable is wise and patient enough to advocate for the tree. Let's give it one more year, he says. I'll try digging around the roots and adding some manure. And I I just want to pause here and say something about the manure. And now I'm sure you all know that this gardener isn't referring to the same type of chemical fertilizer we have available to us today. No, he is talking about manure, most likely poop, Poop from animals that has long been used for its nutrients that aids in the growth and health of crops. In other words, poop that is quite literally bringing about new life. And as you know, there's another word for poop um, that we often use, but I won't be using it from the pulpit today, (laughs) that we often use to describe something bad or an undesirable circumstance or situation. But friends, I'm here to say today that it is often within those undesirable times in our lives that we end up finding new ways forward and cultivating new and better ways of doing things. But we cannot do that if we are not willing to be honest and humble enough to accept our faults, accept where we need to learn and change, and accept when we need some guidance and nurturing. St. Augustine describes sin as what turns us away from God. And while, yes, our suffering can often come from circumstances that are out of our control, we must be sure, while in our efforts to avoid, minimize, or scapegoat our suffering, We are not, in fact, doing so in a way that is turning us away from God. Let us not be too prideful, too ignorant, or too distracted to repent. Let us not get too stuck on the ideas of blame or guilt that we forget that the point of repentance is transformation. Let us be vulnerable enough to admit when we have been wrong and to allow ourselves to grow and change. Let us be like the gardener and our willingness to show up, be patient, and try and try again to grow fruit. Digging around the roots, using manure. Let our repentance be transformative and let taking responsibility be empowering, for we have a role in the creation of new life. We are called to be a part of taking what is broken, oppressive, and what turns us away from God and making something new, something nutritious, something beautiful. Last week, we marked 
two years since the official, unofficial start of the COVID-19 pandemic in our country. March 13th was deemed our COVID anniversary because many of us remember that day as when we first experienced changes to our daily lives due to the, due to the pandemic. Whether it was the news that schools were going to pause gathering in person, or offices were closing, or for many it was the loss of a job, this first wave of change certainly uprooted many of our daily lives, our livelihoods, and communities. But I don't think any of us could have predicted the amount of change, loss, sickness, and isolation we would see over the next two years. COVID brought us so much uncertainty and exposed our insecurity. So many of the things that we have taken for granted have now changed. But the ways in which we have been resilient, have been creative in reconstructing school and work and community, or the ways in which we have just simply survived each day is a testament to our humanity. And it seems that in our efforts to just keep going, we've not always been able to acknowledge just how hard these past two years have been for us. Many have pointed out the challenges of engaging with this season of Lent during this time. I mean, haven't we already experienced enough hurt and loss and death? Do we really need to be meditating on these ideas right now? But if this text has something to say to us today, it is that even when there seems to be nothing good to show, no fruit to be found, we are called to release our shortcomings, our pains, our sins to God, and to show up not with all the answers, but with willingness. This season of change has given us a gift. And it came in the form of a reminder that things are not always as they seem. This reminder came through things as small as learning to use QR codes for menus, and in things as big as the ways that we build community, do ministry, school, work. All the sudden changes caused us to ask, what if this isn't how we have to do things? And yes, there has been pain, so much pain in this. And we don't have to ignore how hard these challenges have been. But within these challenges, there's also the potential for learning new and better ways of doing things. So let us not make the mistake of not learning our lessons, of not being present enough, humble enough, honest enough to recognize the ways that we have been wrong. And let's allow ourselves to be convicted and transformed by our repentance. Because otherwise, we risk missing the whole point. And I have to say, we are often good at missing the point. The urgency that Jesus shows in this text perhaps comes from the frustrating experience of revealing what is at stake in our repentance, but being met with our re reluctance, apathy, and irrelevant concerns. Yet the parable of the fig tree shows Christ's willingness to meet us during what looks like death 
to nurture us. So friends, when we find ourselves in a season of suffering, let's maybe try digging around the roots or adding some manure, and let's see what we can grow. Amen.